sir. So we're online, sir. Welcome to City Temple and Chelsea Community Church. No, not yet. Okay. <laughs> Zoe has the, the um, sermon notes out, and so please, if you just ask, lift your hand. So, so sorry, this is a. There we go. So, welcome to City Temple and Chelsea Community Church as live stream. This is one or part of our Sunday worship gathering. If you'd like to join us uh, for our whole services, then, then email us at info at city-temple.com. So, yeah, if you'd like to join us. So, let's, uh, yeah, if we get, if you have your Bibles or follow with us on the screen, Colossians chapter 1. We're reading from verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of, tr of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you and is indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day that we heard we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. May we be blessed at the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray. Father, we, we want to hear your voice. We want to be built up in your faith, Lord, and trust, Lord. We want to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us clarity, Lord, we pray. We also uh, bless Pastor Rod and Karen in this time away, Lord. Renew their strength. Um, bring them back, Lord. Use them greatly where they are. We also pray, Lord, for those in Morocco and Libya, Lord, those who are suffering so much at this time. We pray, Lord, that you be with them, comforting them and strengthening them, Lord. We, we thank you and uh, all of this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, I don't know how many of you enjoy doing jigsaw puzzles. I don't know if you say, oh, there's some, some, some signs there. So I, I would usually, I don't do it now as much as I wish I did. I mean, I remember with my parents, it was always Christmas. We'd get a new jigsaw at Christmas time. We'd get the table ready or somewhere after we'd had our Christmas meal and everything, and we would do the jigsaw. And it was usually those big ones, those really huge jigsaw puzzles. Sometimes they were funny. Sometimes they were just uh, arty and designed. It was all different times. I just remember we'd always, with my dad, we would get the Christmas uh, jigsaw puzzle, and then we would do it on Christmas Day. And it was, I don't know, we just spent hours on it. This is way before Netflix, YouTube, and all these other things that have changed our lives so much. Um, but I remember one day, 
um, we were coming to the end and we couldn't find one piece. And it drove us all nuts. We couldn't find that one missing piece. I remember we were looking for it. We were just like, we could. And I was like, you, you know, I thought, this isn't going to look complete. This isn't going to look like it's all together. There's something missing here. And it's, you know, because we usually would put some glue at the end and keep it somewhere nice, just kind of to show. Um, but it was, it was gone. And I was thinking, how, how can we fix this? How can we do this? You know, it's, it's not complete. It's not complete. It was frustrating. I don't know if you've ever felt a frustration when something's not done. I don't know how, but some, some, I think we, we turned the house upside down and we found the missing piece. And so it kind of made that picture look complete. And I was, you know, just the, the stress levels on, on all of us went down. You know, it was meant to be a, a fun thing, but it became so complicated. And it just made me like to think how sometimes when something isn't complete, when something isn't all together, and when something's missing, you could, you could tell there's something not right here. There's something that needs to be fixed and put together. And so in this today's uh, text that we read, this, the Apostle Paul writes to a church that he hasn't actually planted. This is planted by someone called Epaphras. And it's a, a, a town, a small place called Colos, Colossae. And you see there that he, he's not actually the church planter of it, even though he has some influence on it. But there's some problems happening in the church. Well, we understand a little bit that Epaphras is this uh, leader or this elder who was trained or was under Paul's ministry. And he was very passionate. And he went off to, to continue what he had received from Paul, what he had learned in Ephesus, because that was kind of the, the main church. And he goes and plants this new church. And in it, he writes this letter to Paul. And this is what we see. Most of the New Testament letters that Paul writes are, are these letters going back and forth, communicating, giving instructions, doctrine, um, in, in understanding of, of the gospel, and, and sometimes exhortation and discipline. And in it, this is the, the message he's saying to them. Well, this is Epaphras kind of communicating. There's some problems in our church. There are people that have infiltrated and, they're, and they're, they're, they're these false teachers, that would be the word, that are, are taking the church away from the purpose and the, and the, the, the truth of who Jesus is and, who the, and what the gospel that we receive. And so Paul, in his way of being, in his leadership, he thinks, okay, well, he's going to write a letter. And if you read it, he, he doesn't just write that. He says he's had letters sent out to Ephesus, to some other churches, and all of these are being communicated. And, and that's the way he, he's doing it at this time. And it makes me, one of those things that I, I like to see when I'm, I'm reading this and trying to hear God's uh, word for it as well and his spirit to us is you know, how God speaks to his church. And he does. All of those letters that we see in the New Testament are God's messages to his church. Especially if you read the book of Revelation. It's a whole message that God has for his church. Seven churches, but even church today. And in this we can understand that God is so invested in his church. God so loves his church. And Colossus wasn't a big church. It wasn't the Ephesus. It wasn't the Corinth church. This was a small town outside of the city type of church. Or in, maybe in this case. And that's the thing that connected me so much. I felt, Lord, this almost feels like sometimes you're also saying something about Chelsea. We're not the big main church of the city of London. We're not the, maybe the one that everyone recognizes. If you say, what's the biggest churches in London? They'll give you like the buildings maybe, St. Paul's and others. But if people know the size of some groups and the denominations, they'll say, well, there's this big church here and there's a big community there. Colossus wasn't that. It was a small one. But yet it was important that even God kept it within scriptures and said, I want you know, this to be recorded and kept. 
and to be an example to others, the problems and the difficulties they were having. And so people were saying things that, oh, the, you know, there's this secret revelation, this secret things that you new believers don't know about Jesus or don't know about God. We know about it. You know, we don't know who Paul is or Epaphras may have started you off. And it was bringing fear and confusion into this small group of believers. So Paul, with all authority, begins to tell them who they are in Christ, that how they are complete in him. And so that's kind of the bigger picture, but I'm going to focus a little bit on the smaller one and just these introductions and this prayer, some things that stand out of this small church that I think, Lord, you know, these are things that I can see happening with us here, also things that we should begin to ask the Lord to build up on us here in, in this time. So yeah, they were, they were feeling that difficulty. They were feeling that, 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 that the, these false teachers, and so Paul sends out this letter, and he's, he's interested in, in, in making sure the church is well. And you think about it, Jesus said, no, the gates of hell won't prevail against his church. But there's a two aspect as well. The church, yes, is, a tr is the body of Christ and is strong. But at the same time, we have to also do our part to be disciples and grow and mature. And so some of these things that we're going to see here, we must listen. And that's our part. Listen to what God says to his church. Our growth and maturity happen both in the fellowship of the church, in our local communities, in both places. That, this happens all the time. And so, here Paul says to them, you know, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. And so this is, a, this is a church community marked by gratitude and prayer. Paul's praying. The people are outside are praying for the development and the, and the growth of this new church. And also within them, they're praying as well. They're learning their walking and their discipleship. It's important to lift up prayer. And so he's, there's this attitude of gratitude that we say that this begins to happen. He's saying, you know, we as the leaders, we're the ones praying for the church for its well-being. And it has that image of that kind of the, the, the leadership kind of filled with the oil of, you know, and kind of going down to the body. That kind of prayer was covering all of them. But it started with their examples as, as, the, as those who were at the front of, of, of this ministry. And it was a, a prayer of gratitude. It wasn't, it, Paul doesn't go straight into it. These false teachers, you've got to get rid of them or anything. If, if anything, Paul, with, with, with such a wisdom, he just, we're going to thank God, and I want to show you what you are doing well. And he says to them, I thank you for, because, you know, you're, the, this is a church that he could see their faith and the hope and love, and that the gospel was actually giving fruit. He says it, the gospel that's been sown into you, that we're seeing happening around the world. There's everyone around the world in, that receives the gospel. Something begins to happen. Yeah, there's a hardness of heart in some, but in others, there's a fruitful, there's something producing in them. And he says, I'm grateful for these things. I'm grateful for that happens. I was looking at, at something about gratitude that was important. I thought um, um, to share a little bit, you know, how sometimes having a grateful heart helps us. It says, it was just a study that I was looking at, and it says that people with a grateful hearts improves their mental health, improves their physical health, and strengthens relationships. Gratitude can enhance an individual's ability to cope with adversity, and gratitude can help reframe negative situations. Gratitude can help focus on the present that we uh, uh, on the present that we have, and able to see better for the future. Sometimes, this gratitude, this just one simple thing that Paul says, "I'm grateful for you," and they, a, a community that's growing and developing themselves, and he's saying that you know, these things are, are positive inside of you. And so, how, how much we sometimes can be grateful. You know, looking around and seeing what are the things that we are grateful for happening in our lives. 
thanksgiving to God our Father for our Lord Jesus Christ for what he is doing and going to do in his church. And so those are things. We, we know there are, you know, there, there is still God has a plan with, with us as a community, us as, as, as individuals, but also the city of uh, the London and this nation. I don't believe God's given up yet. And I don't, you know, even though, I don't know if you recently saw in a newspaper, they shared how there's a decline in, in clergy and ministers. I think it was either the Times or the Guardian, and there was a discouragement. And I, and I then later heard another news article where one of the ministers refuted it a bit, saying, it isn't so. There are many who are still uh, working and ministering, and the churches that are, are also uh, being replanted and, and retaken. But yet, you know, this this thing that sometimes so easy to just look at the negative situation, look at what is, what is the opposition and the difficulties, but yet we have to be those people of faith looking at what God is doing. This was a church community marked by true faith. And verse 4 says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, this was a church that had faith. It was standing and, and, and showing it in their actions. It wasn't just... a, a uh, a community that loved them, the people inside, they were loving also those around them. Recently with my wife, we were challenging ourselves to read um, books on testimonies of people who come from one religion to another. So we've been looking at different, those who come from Islam to Christianity, from Judaism to Christianity. We're still working our way through. We've, we've seen some of um, missionaries working with community groups, how they would come for. To, from one place to another. And in all of it, it's really good because you see the power of the testimony. You see that how when they have received the gospel, especially a certain community group where it's been difficult, where they're closed off, where they don't, sometimes don't even have the Bible in their language, how God, through the, through the faithfulness of ministers or missionaries in this sometimes, they, they begin to penetrate and go through and break these barriers and walls. And the wonderful thing that we saw in many of them is their example, their, that, 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 that one good leader or one good elder faithfully establishing a church can have such a huge impact on them. In one of the testimonies that we were reading, there was a woman who became from Islam to Christianity. And for her, you know, it was, she knew there was a loss of so many things. She would lose her community. She would lose her, uh, her identity, even maybe even her position and her wealth. But what she discovered in Jesus, that love and that, that, that peace and that, joy that she could never experience, and to be able to call God Father meant huge amounts to her. It, it, it counted more than anything that she was going to lose. And so when she, when she has this conversion, she has this, this amazing intimacy with God. And with, Jess, with, with Gisela, as we read these testimonies, we felt so challenged that our walk to be similar. We were saying how every moment that she, she wanted to be closer to the presence of God and all the oppositions, because as she was part of a Muslim community, and, and in that part of the, uh, uh, like you've seen sometimes on the news, as soon as someone changes from one faith to another or, or religion, the, the opposition and the persecution, and she lived it. She lived it, but she understood her faith, and she understood her love that she had received from God, and it was easy, because she, she was from a high class, and she thought, you know what, I'm just going to bring people from the high class to come to Christ or something, and that wasn't God's plan. If anything, she opened up a house to the poor, the orphans, the widows, the sick. And, and the work she was doing had such an impact. Even when the other religious leaders from other, from, from other faiths were criticizing her, 
The people would defend her. People who were not Christians were defending her, saying, but you don't do what she does. She's feeding the poor. She's looking after the widow. She's looking after the marginalized. And she's got a nice house, but she's opening it up to everyone. We just encouraged us to hear this faith. And this woman has already passed away, but her testimony continues to inspire, teach, and, and encourage others. This was also something that they saw in Epaphras. That's what Paul says. We've seen Epaphras' testimony and yours and how this has an impact and how this has a change. We also saw testimonies of people who came from Judaism to Christianity. We were reading all of them. But it was always one thing that we noticed, a connection to the local church, being connected to a community. They needed that. They couldn't separate those things. And it's so easy sometimes to want to say to move on, but we're complete when we're, when we're connected together. And we're complete also when we're focusing on Christ. This was a community. They understood these things. They had a faith that was tested. Thank you. Uh, and so this, this testimony of Jesus, this spirit of prophecy, was bringing glory to everyone in the church and to them. But something also he says, just as you learn from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, this learning talks about the discipleship, talks about this walking with the Lord and being disciples. And there is a call to walk with the Lord and become Christ-like, and that's our discipleship. And we need to respond to that call daily. Whether it's at work, whether it's at, at, at home with the children, there is always that moment. And how are we Christ-like? How are we discipling? And this church had to be that in every, in every possible way. Even if it was distant and rural, they were still being there and doing this. And I was, you know, when I'm at work sometimes, it is that moment where you're thinking, how do I share Christ here? How can I be you know, uh, the person that Christ has called me to be in, in this difficult situation? In this moment when I'm hearing about pain or suffering or a loss, how, how do you begin to, to do it? Or even sometimes in hard decisions. You know, working sometimes, uh, we, we can easily forget sometimes that what God has promised to, to do with us as all the pressures, whether it's financial, whether you're in management, or even if you're studying. Sometimes in moments, I remember when we were at university feeling all those, those pressures of deadlines and commitments and saying, Lord, how, you know, we need to continue to, to be Christ-like in these things. And so that's this part now, that we, they were learning. And you learn through adversity, you learn through the difficulties, you learn in moments when no one is watching, when no one is seeing. And that's the moment where you put to practice what you receive. It's great when we're together as a body here. It's wonderful when we can share and talk and listen. And just the last week, uh, uh, or the last Sunday that we had our Sunday fellowship, it was so wonderful to hear some testimonies of people who'd come to Christ. And it's, you know, you, sometimes I, I don't realize there's all this treasure in all the people around us. And we just need to ask a few questions. And so, how did you come to know the Lord? How is it your, your, this, your walk with the Lord right now? And you hear these things. You think, Lord, what, what amazing things are happening amongst us. The word disciple is found more than 260 times just in the gospel, in the, in the gospel and the book of Acts. And the verb translated to learn as a disciple is found 25 times in the New Testament. So it's an important word. These people were learning to become disciples of Christ. They were making a commitment to it. They were continuously working at it. And for this reason, you know, Paul didn't discard them and think, well, it's just another church over there. He knew there was something that needed to continue to work. He didn't want them to be lost or confused. So their discipleship was connected to the, lead, to the elders and leaders that they were there, but also to listening to what God was saying to them. There are good leaders in our church that we can learn from. And I just think about those around us. Again, just 
there are so many people that we can learn and talk with here. Sometimes it's just sitting and having that conversation. Sometimes asking questions, just thinking about it. There are people here that, that, that God places in you. In, there are people that God places in your life at certain times. I've had, in, in my Christian walk, I've had many different people disciple me at different stages. And I thank them because some have been really key for my marriage, helping us lay that strong foundation. There have been others who've been key at helping us to, to be uh, good at uh, leadership skills. Others that helped us at, in our evangelism. Others that have helped us to understand the word. And every point, there's, there's these moments where God places someone around you to help. It's a part that we listen and communicate and connect with them, talk with them. So this is, because it was them becoming more Christ-like, growing in that. This is also a church community marked by the love in the Spirit. In verse 8, it says it. It says to them that, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. They were giving testimony, and they were doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's true. To love and be, be that church that, called it, that God has called us to be, it has to be in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no other way. We, un, we have the, the teaching of the Word of God, and, that's, and, and Christ is the, the center. And we live now through the power of the Holy Spirit, sharing that love that we've received, sharing and, and being able. And it's that love, that power that enables us to forgive. Just uh, this week, um, I, have, I have a job as a chaplain in a care home. And um, it's an odd job because you would think I would be able to freely always share my faith, but they have some restrictions on some, some things, which is understandable, and I, and I have to use a lot of wisdom. And the whole teaching series that we did with Pastor Rod on Babylon really helped to understand how to live and act in that, in that place, how to know how to share our, our faith. And sometimes it's more our actions than our words. And the reason I say this is because that power of the Spirit of God loving others is really important. When I'm sitting sometimes and I can hear the frustration, the anger, the resentment, the unforgiveness sometimes in some of the people I'm, I'm, I'm there with, caring for, listening to, and helping. I always ask for the, the, the Spirit of God to, to really help to open those opportunities where they will ask the question that opens the door. Because that's, for me, that's the part I have to be wise in. It's that they, they say, they've always said to us, you cannot you know, uh, say to someone that they need the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's the odd thing there, but if they ask for something, at that moment, you're, you know, it's all game. You can do whatever you feel that the Lord is leading you in that part. And so, with lots of wisdom. And I have people from Pakistan, Egypt, Caribbean, uh, Eastern European. I've got people from Africa. Um, and it just, the, the, it really is the nations that then these people are in the end of stage of life. And, and many of them are in need in different things. And the reason I say is because this verse really stands out, that love of the Spirit. Because I can see sometimes this unforgiveness, this pain and this frustration that they have. And I said, the Lord to give the opportunities. And they have. And the Lord has shown moments where you could just uh, speak and share with them. I, have, I can share this testimony a, a, a bit uh, that I have. One of the um, gentlemen that's in the home uh, has dementia. For those of you who, who, who don't know, dementia is that... Is that um, Sickness that slowly a person begins to lose memory. Sometimes they lose certain key stages of their lives. And as this gentleman was a very intelligent person, his first language is not English. It's actually another language. Um, and to protect him, I'm not going to say the name of the language, but 
he, he's lost the ability to speak English. And he was a professor. He was very intelligent, would teach here in the United Kingdom. The Lord placed such a love in my heart for him. But he said in his records, he's an atheist. And so I was like, okay, there's, you know. But I did ask for the family permission. Can he be at the church services? I do hymns. I sing. I read scripture. I pray. They said, no, you know, he's, if, if he's happy, you know, we, 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 and, and, and he's comfortable there, allow it. So I'm there. I'm singing hymns. I'm asking the Lord, fill our hearts with the Spirit of God as I'm ministering there to these people. And I begin to see him sing the hymns. And I'm in, I'm in surprise. Because, one, he's lost the ability to speak English. And I had to ask. I had to ask the, the, the people in, in the care home, those who understand dementia better than I. I had to ask some of my other chaplains, that are senior chaplains. And they, said to, they explained to me, yeah, you can lose the language. You can lose some things. But music and something spiritual are one of those last things to go. And he's there singing with me the hymns. We're singing, you know, uh, Holy, Holy Lord, God Almighty, Blessed Trinity. And he's singing it with tears coming out of his eyes. And so I go up to the family and I said, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to upset you or anything, but, you're, you know, the gentleman's here and, you know, and, and I'm seeing something happening. I'm seeing him listening to the gospel, well, the hymns, I said. And, the, and then his close friend says, well, I'm a Christian. And yet, when he was young, he was uh, part of the missionary swell. He, he was, you know, he, he, he knows all of those hymns. He grew up with the English missionaries. He knows all that stuff. It's deep down inside of him. And I said, Lord, just, you're doing something here. I love you. I, you know, let the Spirit of God continue to work in the hearts of these people. And they were really grateful. They said, as long as he's happy, uh, you can continue. And so I, you see that the, for me, there's a work of the Spirit that sometimes I go, Lord, only you can do this. And I, when I looked at this verse and saying, you know, that love of the Spirit, because it is that. And it's, it's loving sometimes hard. I've had, you know, there's people sometimes swearing when you're in the care home because of the dementia. And that's all that they remember. They become very aggressive. And you have to, Lord, fill my heart with love. Why, am I, why, why this? Because as a church, we need that love. Whether it's in the school, in the, in the community, in the home. It, it continuously, even raising the kids. Lord, more love. Because sometimes it can be that difficult with the kids. And so that love and that, and that fullness of him in our hearts. Becoming that Christ-like and disciple. A church community marked by the love of the Spirit. A church community. And, it's, and, it's, and it reminds me of this verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And the hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And that's a prayer that we can do consistently. Say, Lord, continue to fill my heart with your love. Continue to let the Spirit of God work in me so I can love others around me. Love builds up, and we can always pray for more love. And the Spirit working in His church and in us, we can see this in the Scripture. We can become Christ-like, a life journey that's not done alone, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. I know that when I'm out there, I have you as a community of believers who have prayed for us, that you're also there with me, and vice versa. I know when you're at your work at your home, we're together as well because we're part of the body of Christ. We share communion together. We share life together. We, we pray for the youth together. We pray for those who are beginning their faith. I know that we're, we're connected because of what God has done with us. And we all have gifts that, and, and need each other in this. And God will use us if we're willing. So, makes, and, and these last points here about this, this community and this faith in, in Colossae, we are made complete when we know Him and what He requires from us. In verse 9, it says, I not cease to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And that was the, you know, it wasn't just for them to have uh, 
distracted by the false teachers. These false teachers that infiltrated the Colossi group were telling them, that, you know, you don't need just Jesus. You need to go back to the law. Some would say that. Others would say, no, you need this special teachings. These are special things that, that are not revealed by Paul, and we can give them to you, taking them away from the purity of the word and the gospel that is in Christ Jesus. And that was, and that was the challenge there. And so if you look at the, he says, you know, all the power, all the knowledge, everything that makes you complete is in Christ. You, don't, you won't need anything else. Just come back to him. There's still more of his truth, more of that gospel that needs to be revealed. And so and we know that, this is, that in the, the power of the word of God and the spirit that reveals it to us, that helps us to build up. This is not just head knowledge, but how we apply it in our lives daily so we can bring glory to God. So we're here, we come Sunday, we feed on the word of God. We're asking God to make sure he becomes always the center of all that we do. And, and, and we take that out to where we go and live it out practically in our lives. Knowing to, to make it you know, the will of God in all the things that we do. And so it says, you know, our walk becomes pleasing unto God and it begins to bear fruit. And sometimes you may not see that fruit instantly. And that's something I've learned a lot walking here at City Temple, and especially City Temple, that sometimes we have to wait for, for the way God's going to bring things together. And that patience and understanding. And I, I, it's so hard because I, I, I'm one of those who gets so frustrated when things don't get sorted out in a certain way. And my wife says, you've just got to calm down and just, you know, it will come together. And the Word of God helps as well when I look and I say, Lord, yeah, it will all at the end bring glory to you. They were strengthened in all power. And that's in verse 11. They were qualified to be for the glory of God. And that's in verse 12 as well. My last point here. We are made complete in the work of the cross of Christ Jesus. And it says in verse 13 and 14, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have the redemption of the forgiveness of sins. And that's the work of the cross. The work of the cross are continuously being lifted up. Paul would say, you know, uh, I, you know I, I count all things lost, you know, except Christ and him crucified to be him lifted up. And then we see that message being, again, something that we need to raise up in our hearts continuously. You know, what Christ has done for us on the cross. He has taken us. He says this, this removed, transferred from a place of complete darkness and placed into a kingdom of light. That we could shine for him as well there. And when we, when we feel that moments of darkness, when we feel those moments of of torment, we can say, Lord, you've done everything on the cross. You know, you've taken all the powers and principalities, you've disarmed them, and that's something also in Colossians, it says further on, and you publicly displayed them so that Christ now is triumphant and lifted up and glorified. You know, in Christ alone, our hope is found. And how we lift that up in our lives continuously, daily. How we live that in, in, our, in, our, in our hearts. So I, I ask the Lord to continue to work that in, in, in us, and that we see as a church that even though we may feel, okay, that we're not in City Temple like we used to be part of us, and there's a new growth happening here also within us in Chelsea, Lord, there's an importance. You do speak to this church. You do love this church. You do want something in this community. And I don't, we, don't, we want to be part of it to bring glory and honor to your name. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the goodness, and your kindness, and your mercy, and your love for us. Lord, you are, you are still working through your church. You're still doing things that are, are happening through this, even this church right now. 
with us as a people, Lord. You've placed gifts in all of us, Lord. You've done things that are, are unique. You're, there are testimonies and treasures placed in our hearts that bring glory to Jesus. And Father, I pray that you continue to help us to, to, to live and be disciples of Christ here. Help us to, to know, Lord, your ways. Help us to, to live and have the fullness and that love that you have for others, Lord. Help us to use wisdom when we're out there, Lord, and bring glory to your name. So, Lord, because in you, you make us complete, Lord. And Lord, it's not the money, it's not the fame, it's not the power of the world or the wisdom or the philosophies of this world. It is Christ and Christ alone that completes our hearts, completes our lives, completes our marriages, completes our ministries and completes our purposes. And Lord, we thank you for these things, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, for, for all of those here that you've brought together, Lord, and that you continue to work that out in their lives, Lord. Lord, protect us from any false teaching, any false things that may hinder us from growing and knowing Christ. But let our hearts be warmed by the truth of your word and your spirit, Lord. Father, we thank you and we bring you all the glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Before we, we worship, I wanted to pray for Addy. Okay.